Maggie Vandenberg is a reporter, host, and filmmaker. You've seen her on countless news stations, the radio show War Room with Steve Bannon, and you can find her on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Fog City Midge. And when I say she's heavily censored, I do not say that with any hyperbole. Midge, Maggie, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you for having me on the show. No problem. Let's jump right into it. I've been tracking the posts you've been making about Joe Biden, his first press conference in, what, two months since he's been president, obviously going at an, an unheard of pace, uh, I, so speedy. It was a very sad event, Midge, I don't know about you, but you did pull some great clips from there. And I really want to I really want to show a couple of them and get your reaction. The first one was he, where he only really called on a few reporters. Now there's been some photos coming out where he's got these uh, he's got pictures of all the reporters, which number, whether that's the order where they're sitting, I don't know. But I want to get your reaction to some of the some of the I want to say funny, but it's almost sad. So let's play this first clip, Justin. Uh, okay. Uh, how about Yamish? Okay. Um, hang on. Uh, sorry. Oh, um, let me get here. Okay, uh, um, Cecilia Vega. Okay, hang on a second here. Kristen, uh, Nancy, CBS. Okay, um, where am I here? Let me see. Caitlin, and, uh, I think that, uh, I got one more question here. And uh, Janet, uh, from Univision. But folks, I'm going. Thank you very, very much. I appreciate it. Folks, I'm going. The President of the United States, everybody. What's your overall takeaway from that riveting press conference, Maggie? Well, that was the best part there at the end when he walked off. I just got to say. Yeah, that was so painful. The entire press conference was an utter disaster. I mean, honestly, it's it's bizarre, but I think it's so crazy to me because this whole press conference was set up to kind of put people's minds at ease that Joe Biden, you know, can handle it, that he's not hiding from the media, that he doesn't have a, you know, some kind of cognitive decline. But this press conference actually did the opposite. It confirmed for so many people that this guy needs help. He's sitting there, he's got notes, he's got uh, a list of reporters with the names circled, the people he's supposed to call on and the people that he's not supposed to call on. Um, and I also saw a report claiming that the White House actually had pre-approved the questions. So they knew who they were going to take questions from, and they knew the questions in advance, and Joe Biden had his answers prepared. So, I mean, if this doesn't confirm that this guy is not up for the task, I don't know what's going to convince you. I mean, what I took away is that a lot of the reactions from the reporters, if this was Trump, it'd be completely different. I mean, one example is Caitlin Collins, um, from CNN, where she just let him shut her down completely without any pushback, whereas we know for a fact if that was Trump, she'd be like, Mr. President, Mr. President, you're killing people. And then was Jim Acosta even there? I'm not even sure. No, I don't think he was. That's, um, that's... And it would be interesting if he were. I don't know. I didn't see him there, though. I don't believe he was there. Now, there was at least one decent question I saw, which is another thing you posted. Um, Kamala says she doesn't know when she's going to the border, but at least Joe Biden was willing to give an answer. He didn't give any specifics either, but he was asked about it, so kudos to that reporter. Let's show that clip just so everybody knows what we're talking about also. Will you commit to allowing journalists to have access to the facilities that are overcrowded moving forward? I will commit when my plan very shortly is underway. Okay, and just to be clear, how soon will that be, Mr. President? I don't know. 
to be clear. To be clear, he doesn't. <laughs> so, At least he's clear. Yeah, At least he's clear. When? Shortly. How soon? I don't know. So what exactly are, are we hoping is going to happen here? We wouldn't get those border photos um, if it wasn't for Project Veritas. We could pl uh, play some of those as B-roll here, Justin, uh, just so we can react to those. There's no AOC going to the border midge to, uh, to cry while she, while she looks off into the distance. Um, he even blamed Trump the other day for the current border policies. What exactly is going on here? Did you see um, them blaming all this stuff on Trump? Yeah, and it's utterly shameful. It, it's unbelievable because they're sitting here blaming Trump for the situation, whereas Trump was actually the one that cleaned up so much of this. And one of the first things Joe Biden did was reverse a lot of President Trump's um, executive orders surrounding, you know, how these like this crisis at the border is meant to be handled. And it's so funny because if the media had images like this, I mean, they would be utterly attacking Trump. They try to pretend like it's somehow better. Oh, it's it's not kids in cages. Look, it's the same thing. Just they've it's now got like glass now, no. now they've got plexiglass, right? No, this is this is horrific. I mean, I think anyone who sees images like this is just appalled. And I don't. It's not going to stop. You know, Joe Biden's policies are just encouraging a tremendous number of people to come across our southern border this year. I think they're anticipating 2.5 million people, and so many of these are unaccompanied minors who now are. You know, we don't know whether these kids are being trafficked, where they're headed, where they're coming from. Uh, so, I mean, it's it's really disturbing all around. And it's shameful that the media is not taking this seriously and treating it, you know, with the same, I don't know, with the same consideration that they, that they treated, you know, the situation under Trump. But I have to say, yeah, I mean, I kind of have another point around that, but maybe we'll get to that later. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you your opinion on what Biden mentioned the other day, I believe, was Trump ending the the charity of $700 million, I think it's to El Salvador, um, and he's saying that the, the better way to deal with this is by doing everything in their own country, which is true to an extent, but obviously before Trump the payments they were making to these Central American companies weren't stopping people from coming over. And obviously Trump uh, got these countries, Honduras, El Salvador, um, even more than that, obviously Mexico, to stop allowing people to just cross through on their way to America. And now he's saying, let's just go back to the thing that wasn't working. What's your opinion on that? Should there be no funding for these countries? Should there be some or should there be uh, almost a billion dollars like there was before? Well, it seems like Trump's policy helped, right? Like if we don't pay these countries uh, and ask them to help us out, then, you know, like it seemed like it was working, right? What Trump had done before, I believe, is he was withholding money if they refused to take back people that were supposed to be deported back to that country. And now, like Joe Biden wants to undo that and think that it's not going to affect things. I don't know. It's just a big hot mess down at our southern border, and it's really frightening to to just see what's happening because we have people coming over not just from south and central america but people coming over from haiti people coming over from the middle east and yeah we don't know who these people are and i think it's going to open up a world of problems why so i'm rocking my finish the wall hat you know it's crazy <laughs> i think we could finish the wall in a couple months but they stopped funding for it and so this is what they actually want this is and this is what open borders looks like so, you know, Americans, they don't want these policies. They voted for President Trump, but, you know, this is what we get under Joe Biden. I think what we're seeing here, Midge, is that um, the plan was obviously, like, stop what Trump's doing, stop his policies, 
let it uh, let it overflow a little bit, and then we'll show you how much better we are, how much more humane we are, and everything. And it just seems like it's not working. Their plan for people to not know the difference or not have paid attention, which, to be honest, is what it was pretty much before Trump. I would say probably like half the amount of people paid attention back then until everything got blown up into everything being political and everything being watched, which of course is good in in its own sense in certain ways. But I think their plan of nobody's going to realize what the difference is kind of backfired. And you can kind of see that in their uh, unwillingness to let people actually see the border. Now, in terms yeah. of in terms of Trump's policy, you had a really good video, I thought, where you were on uh, War Room with uh, Uncle Steve Bannon, as they call them, and you're talking about how people are sort of losing losing faith in the GOP. They're kind of upset with tr how Trump's uh, speech went uh, a couple of months ago, or maybe just less than a month ago. Um, so I wanted to play that for everybody because it really reflects on what I think is a global movement here of people sort of realizing that uh, the honesty or the representation that they thought might have been in the party that was representing them before isn't actually there when you take a closer look at it. So I want to play a, a part of this and, and get you to expand on it. And now, audience, please don't light me up. Don't shoot the messenger because I am just reporting what both you know, I feel, but also what I'm hearing a lot of other people saying, so it's not just me, but there are so many people that have lost faith in Donald Trump and who love Trumpism. They do love Trump, but they want to move forward and ahead in a new way. They're now, they, they were not happy at CPAC. They did not love President Trump's speech. What did they like about the speech? Look, speech. I thought the speech came back and, and had a, and, a, and a thing that was grievance heavy and policy light. President Trump came, I thought, and really took a time as a speech with gravitas. All right. and, and, I have and, a, I have a list. I have okay, a list. Jump, and this jump. is this is from a social media post. I'm not going to manspawn. All right. Let's okay. You go. Okay. Complaining about election integrity, but not doing anything for four years. Demanding big tech be dealt with. Again, nothing was done. Uh, pushing the COVID vaccine really hard. This is a crowd that that is very vaccine skeptical, especially of a vaccine that was rushed. And Trump previously had said, you know, if people want it, they can get it. Now he's telling everyone to go out and take it. Um, you know, talking about the economy, but not talking about the millions of Americans, you know, middle-class Americans who lost everything last year, who lost their businesses, but yet he's sitting because there talking about how great the economy is doing. Yes, because of COVID, but also because President Trump was one of the ones who started the 15 days to stop the spread. So, you know, the speech to many felt you tired. Did, they didn't like the 15 days to stop the spread? People didn't. They look back now and they realize it was all a scam. And now it's a year since then. And so many states are still shut down. Think, First of all, shout out to Steve Bannon's hair. He's rocking these days. <laughs> it's looking good. But, no, I agree with 99% of that entire video. It's hard for me to pick, up, pick out something that I don't agree with. Um, people should go watch the full thing on Maggie's Instagram. Now, did you get any blowback? Have you been getting blowback from any let's say, establishment GOP types, or maybe some people that don't like you saying this because you do have a very large platform. Yeah, I mean, I've gotten a bit of pushback. Certainly, I think there's so many people within the MAGA movement who they see Donald Trump as like, he's our guy. He's the guy that came in and really, you know, changed, changed the Republican Party, and he's really our leader. So there's a lot of people that they don't like any kind of criticism of Trump. And so obviously with that, you're going to get some hate. But I, I, what's crazy is that video struck a chord with so many people. You know, that's a five-minute video that I posted on my Instagram. Normally, a five-minute video is not going to get 100,000 views, but it's at almost 100,000 views now. And people, the comments are out of control, and they're, they're mostly positive. They're mostly in agreement. And I think so many people have this 
feeling. And they had that kind of gut reaction about the speech. Um, and it just felt tired. It felt, um, I mean, there was, there was a lot to it that, I don't know, just didn't really sit right with people. I think they wanted Trump to come out and say something new, but we're going back to kind of like the same old that we've been doing for the past four years. And people are disappointed and they feel they feel disenfranchised because they are. And they feel like they want strong leadership from their Republican representatives and they're not getting it. So, you know, it's funny because I, I actually expected to get a lot more pushback than I did from that video. And it was actually overwhelmingly positive, uh, or at least a lot of people in agreement, or a lot of people that are just saying, hey, this is a conversation we need to have within the conservative movement here in America. It certainly is. And we're seeing a lot of the same stuff up here, I feel like, Maggie. Uh, people are losing faith in the conservative party. Um, it seems like they don't do anything. They're silent on big issues. Tech censorship is one of them. Um, immigration's another one, even though across the board up here, a majority of Canadians want less immigration, but no party is willing to, to touch that on a large level, any successful party even. Is it the same feeling down there that people thought that it was going to be really a, a progression of Trumpism in the Republican Party and they're not exactly seeing that besides, of course, the, the same people that we would see earlier, the Gavin Newsoms and, and people like that? Is it the same feeling down there that you're seeing? Um, well, look, I think just part of the problem is that you know, Trump was different than other Republicans, right? He kind of took common sense stuff that we've been wanting to get done in this country for a long time, and he made that the new platform. Whether it was a, a left or right issue, he kind of brought it to the forefront. And there were so many people that hated him for it. They hated him because he was anti-establishment, and he was actually able to get things done that, you know, if you campaign on something four years out, hey, I'm going to fix this problem, then you don't fix the problem, then you have something to still continue to campaign on. But Trump came in mm. and he actually fixed a lot of problems. And, you know, there are these sort of Trump Republicans within the movement that people love. And then there's the regular Republicans and then there's the rhinos, right? And I think the average Republican is kind of weak, is kind of probably been there a long time, just wants to keep their seat, doesn't want to make waves. They don't want to be known as being, you know, someone that's going to rock the boat or mess up things for their, you know, big donors that want you know, cheap immigration and cheap labor. And so, yeah, they just keep continue to carry on with the status quo. And I think that's why so many people within the Republican Party were happy to throw Trump under the bus on the 6th. And I think that felt like a big betrayal to so many voters and so many supporters of President Trump in the conservative movement, because we wanted to see our leadership stand up for us, stand up for what, what we voted for and our values. And instead, they kicked our leader to the curb. So I think a lot of people feel left behind and a lot of people feel very angry and betrayed by the GOP because, you know, there's so many tough people out there. There's so many tough Americans who are out there. They fought. They helped campaign for these candidates. And, yeah, they want to see their Republican conservative values represented. And they're not being represented and they're not being fought for. And look what happened. We handed over the election. We allowed Joe Biden and the Democrats to you know, basically take take this from us, right? And hold on, and it's he hundred bajillion votes. He's the best, most popular president of oh, all yeah. time. <laughs> Way more popular than Barack Obama. Eighty million votes. I know. And of course, you know, for YouTube out there and everyone, yes, of course. Yes, he's Joe the Biden. unquestionable ruler of this universe. Now yes, you got. And he's so beloved. <laughs> so beloved. And this is a lot of what you were saying in that the extension, the extended version, we'll call it, of that post that people should go watch. And what I got from the speech 
It's sort of the same thing. You know, I, I tried to watch it. I couldn't get through the whole thing, to be completely honest, because after the first two minutes, after the, the what's the word, the honeymoon feeling uh, left, I was like, this is just sort of like a campaign speech that we've seen a hundred times before. You're right, there was not really anything new. Um, he didn't even really drop any surprises. He just said, oh, maybe I'll run again, essentially. So I think that's the reason you're speaking to is that it didn't seem like anything progressed. It's just like basically if he was running right now, it'd be like vote for me for the same reasons, even though it doesn't seem like nothing's going to change. Now, something I wanted to yeah. ask you about that uh, we didn't show, and I asked you if it was okay to talk about this so people don't hate me out there. You mentioned in that video that you lost a marriage over this. Do you want to you talk about that a little bit? Because I think that's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's that interesting, but I'll expand <laughs> a little bit, you know. What I was getting, the point I was getting at in that video isn't to say woe is me or anything, but to say like there's a lot of people who came out of the closet politically, so to speak, and who fought for Trump and who put their values on the line and who lost a lot. They lost friends, they lost family, they lost business, uh, you know, myself included, and you know, I even lost my marriage. And you know, things basically what happened in my own personal life is that you know I was very politically outspoken. I started to really question the media, question the establishment. And my, you know, my ex-husband was, you know, he was politically not involved. He wasn't interested. He had actually never voted in his entire life. Um, and, you know, I, basically, if you have issues with someone and you don't respect their politics, it's going to cause your relationship to fracture. And it doesn't even have to be politics. It can be anything. If you lose respect for the person that you are, you know, committed to, then you're not going to be loyal to them. You're not going to be faithful to them. You're not going to be a good partner to them. And it's really crazy to me that someone who, you know, I have had a lot of respect for and who is, you know, just I thought he was politically open minded, if not maybe conservative leaning. But he read The New York Times every day and he was convinced that Trump was a monster because The New York Times is, you know, according to him, the best, you know, most reputable newspaper on the planet. And it's unfortunate because I think that 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 sort of brainwashing happened to a lot of people where they sort of had their trusted institutions and they carried on trusting for them, not realizing that they had become complete propaganda outlets for the Democratic Party. And so, you know, if you're convinced that Donald Trump is a monster and he's an idiot and he's never going to win and anyone who supports him is a complete idiot, you know, where does that leave you in your personal life? And I think a lot of people can relate if there are, you know, partnerships or friendships that have been sort of fractured and damaged because of political differences, because it really comes down to how could you respect the person you're with if you truly believe that Donald Trump is is Hitler? Like, if you truly believed that, then there's no way you can have respect for someone who votes for them. Um, and I think that's sort of that all falls back to just how despicable the media in this country is and what they've done to people and what they've done. They've torn families apart. And it's completely evil. And so when Donald Trump used to say things like, you know, the media is the enemy of the of the American people, I I tend to agree with that. I mean, because we see now the way that they handle Biden, the way that they've covered the election, the way that they, you know, cover Democrat scandals like Hunter Biden's laptop versus, you know, things that happen to conservative politicians or scandals that may arise. It's completely different. And, you know, it's sort of like, where does this leave us as a country? We're so divided. So, um, you know, it's really not a surprise what ended up happening with my marriage and when I know with a lot of friendships and other, you know, families that have been divided over politics, but it's just sad to see. 
For sure. And in case you're wondering, I'll be starting my Dr. Phil-like program a, a week from now. <laughs> I think we should. I think we should start it. Political we therapy? Have, like, let's have political therapy. We could have couples to come together. I actually think it would be a great show if somebody did something like that. Of course, you never see anything real on these talk shows, but that would be something amazing. Have a couple come in and sit down and actually hash out their political arguments. Get someone like Jordan Peterson to do it. He could sit in and moderate and actually probably you know, shed a lot of light on these issues for people because I think so many people are dealing with this. I call it the TV told me so syndrome when you seem to experiment, experience and I, I think it, you're right, happens a lot. Now I want to transition to, I mentioned off the top, uh, your censorship, the censorship of you I should say. Uh, you might be the most censored out of anyone I know, anyone I follow, and it's probably because you don't have a huge company like Fox or something like that behind you, or like Steven Crowder with Blaze where they can just say, expose us and say, hey, a lot of people are gonna come after you uh, online, uh, your fans and such, if you don't correct this. Now, I wanna pull up the screenshot that I made, Justin. Now, I highlighted a few of the numbers there. This is from your Instagram Reels, and you have a lot of followers there. You can see the first ones, there's two there that are about 150,000, like 137 and 148. And then the one on the furthest to the left goes down to 700, which to me- Wait, they got to scroll down. I can't see it. Oh, you are can't they, see it? Okay. It's, no, well, it's- Your producer got to scroll down. Well, we can articulate what it is. It's a screenshot. You can't scroll. Jeez, Midge, okay? Um, oh my gosh, sorry. But yes, yeah, so basically on the screenshot, yeah, there were like reels and some of them had, you know, tens of thousands of views. Like I think one had a couple hundred thousand views. And then one had like four views. One right? got 700 compared to the ones that are almost 150,000, which to me yeah. tells me that they actually literally hid it from people, not just uh, they shadow banned it, it literally did not display it to people. Because statistically speaking, the people are bound to just, oh, scroll by it, person I follow clicked on something. That's completely insane. And assuming you made a story about it, I think I talked about this on another podcast, assuming you at least made one story about it or one person shared it, uh, at least a couple thousand people are going to see it and they completely, completely hit it. Do, did you ever seek an explanation? Did you even bother? You know, it's it's wild and I kind of have deduced a lot of these things that Instagram does and they're always changing the rules, the algorithms, sort of the, the censorship of the day, but you can test it for yourself. It's crazy. Like you can do, um, you can look up a hashtag like, you know, Black Lives Matter and you'll see hundreds of thousands of, uh, you know, videos tagged, posts tag on Instagram. But if you look up something like All Lives Matter, you see how many you see with that. And sometimes they straight up just like, silence them where you type in like i heard i think if you type in like white lives matter you don't see anything so it's like why are certain posts being shadow banned um and they did this throughout the election as well they would like censor what what you could and couldn't search for especially with coronavirus um you know like alternative treatments for it you know not just like the prescribed dr fauci recommended stuff so <laughs> you know the censorship is really wild it's fascinating um and it's crazy to just see how you know, I remember right now there's been kind of like a lift of the shadow ban, but it's two weeks prior to the election. They put a giant massive shadow ban on basically all conservative political accounts and they wanted to silence everyone. And then it just was lifted recently. And it was wild because everyone I know, for the most part, saw a large drop in their engagement. And I actually measured mine and I saw a drop, I think, in 96 percent of my engagement, which is crazy. So. If your account's used to getting about, you know, a million views or impressions per week and all of a sudden you're down to like, you know, like 
a few thousand. I mean, it's crazy. So all of a sudden you're just like, what am I supposed to do with this? What am I going to do with this account? You know, do I even continue posting? And that's basically what I think they wanted to see happen. They want to ensure that conservatives are, you know, can't make a living off of their content, that they aren't reaching people, that no one's seeing it because they don't want the truth to get out there. I think it's along the lines of wanting to wanting people to think, maybe in the generic public, to think that these views are so fringe that they barely even exist. So when that they're criticizing them, they can see like, oh, nobody talks about this. You can see they're not all they're really not on these platforms. Luckily there are a lot more platforms popping up. It's just a term of them getting popular um, over here at Rebel News, having been demonetized now, um, which is a, a club that I know. I you heard about that. I know I we're heard both about in that, that. club. Um, we're moving towards Rumble, and, and things seem to be hopefully picking up there, as well as I, I wish Parler didn't go down for that uh, month or so went down because I don't think they've gotten the traffic back that they had before that. You're an insider, Midge. Do you know anything about Trump's social media platform? I don't know anything, but he did say it's supposed to launch within the next few months. And I guarantee as soon as that happens, I just hope they're ready for a lot of traffic because I can, uh, my guess is, is that they're going to have millions of people getting off of these other platforms and wanting to go there as soon as it's available because so many people are like, well, I'm going to keep my Facebook. I'm going to keep my Twitter for now. I haven't been banned yet. It's still a good way of reaching people. But they kind of do so reluctantly. Like I have my, you know, I have my other accounts that haven't been suspended yet, and I'm going to carry on posting there just because it is still the best way to reach a wide audience. But you know, there's really not a great alternative that exists at this point. Like I love Gab, I loved Parler, um, you know, when it had sort of its traction. But it's it's just really hard to sort of build up and get the same amount of eyeballs that you have on these other platforms. Mm -hmm. And also, I kind of like that I get to reach people on the left, in the middle, on the right, on these other platforms, like on Twitter and on Facebook. So it's kind of like, I don't want to live in an echo chamber, but at the same time, I also want to feel like I can say what I really believe and not have a fear about being demonetized or being silenced or censored. I'm sure just like me, you remember the feeling of when you were first starting out and having people see your stuff and your audience grow and you're like, oh, this is so wonderful. People actually see it. and then. I don't think people understand how easy it is to see a difference when your things, when your content is demonetized or shadow banned because when you're a person who that's sort of their life creating content, you, you notice these little differences when you're checking it all the time. But I just wanted to write down here, make sure to get Midge banned on remaining social media. Okay. All right, that. good. <laughs> That's going to be the end of our YouTube segment on a very high note, of course. So if you guys want to see the rest of the interview, go to rebelnewsplus.com or rebelnews.com slash Andrew underscore says. $8 a month Canadian mid, so that's like three cents for you. And you can get the rest of the interview and the rest of the shows. And what are we going to be talking about? We're going to talk about the state of Washington, D.C. It's still under some sort of crazy military lockdown. And we're going to ask Midge who she's going to vote for and who she likes in politics right now. So rebelnewsplus.com for just $8 a month, you guys. And now we've moved magically, Midge, behind the paywall, the sanctity and the safety of Rebel News Plus, and we can ask you anything we want. We can ask you about Ooh. Flat Earth. 
we can ask you about the fake moon, the supercomputer of Saturn, and all that stuff. But what I want to ask you about <laughs> is the state of DC. And um, recently, you posted a YouTube video from Washington showing all the all the fencing that's still there. Of course, it's allowed, even though walls are evil. Um, a concertina wire, it's razor sharp, and it's still the military presence is still there. Let's go ahead and play a clip from that video, Justin. Um, I don't think a lot of people are showing what still what it, what it still looks like in D.C. This is Maggie Vandenberg, and today I am in Washington, D.C. It's about two months from the occupation here with the military presence, as well as the added additional security, fencing, and razor wire surrounding the Capitol. Over here, you can see the Supreme Court, just so much razor wire and additional security, and not just one layer of fencing, there's actually multiple layers of fencing, which congressmen and staff members are required to go through various checkpoints in order to enter the Capitol and the buildings surrounding the Capitol. It's disturbing, it's bizarre, it does not feel American, and it needs to come down. This fence needs to come down! <laughs> we need to have liberty. What are we living in, a police state? So, Midge, I love, I love that guy. Yeah. <laughs> that guy was out there for two days. And he just came up by himself. He's like, I'm out here just protesting. This is wrong. Why is this up? Um, and it's sad because actually I, I talked to him. I said, why aren't there more people out here? But so many people are afraid. You know, after the arrest following what happened on January 6th, I think so many people are afraid to go to their capital and air their grievances and say, look, this is wrong. Why is this fencing up? You know, we don't live in a in a militarized police state. Um, and even just the residents of Washington, D.C., most of whom are Democrats, they're very against the fencing and the military presence as well. They want to get back to, you know, living their life. And there's no, there's no discernible threat. And, you know, Nancy Pelosi received a, um, you know, a brief of, you know, what they were expecting or what the actual intel was that was sort of, uh, you know, driving this, this presence of the military. And my understanding is there's really nothing in that report because they, they won't show it to anyone. So, um, you know, there's really not a reason for that to be up. Um, you know, it's, it's wild because the actual military, the National Guard who are there, do not have any ammunition in their, in their guns and their weaponry. So it just sort of begs the question, like, how are you actually defending this space? Um, it, it appears to me it's all just theater. It's all just, um, you know, optics to send a, a particular narrative that we need to protect the space from these, you know, armed terrorist insurrectionists, you know, th those horrible Trump supporters. But in reality, um, they're not really doing much out there. It's just a show. Yeah, and I'd like to point out that when there was a church being set on fire, the president's uh, church, there was the secret service tower set on fire, nightly riots, no fencing, um, no heavy military presence. I could be wrong that there was a f there was some National Guard there. I don't recall. There's obviously SWAT and everything, but it wasn't a national tragedy um, requiring <laughs> the, the razor wire to be up uh, for what we're almost we're more than two months past now. So this, uh, mm -hmm. maybe they're just somebody that they want to be paying. They want the uh, we call them reservists here. I know they're National Guard there. Maybe they just want to want to make them feel like they're doing some good. Um, you mentioned in one of your videos that you're getting a lot of feedback from people who are, who are saying, and I alluded to this earlier, that they won't vote for the Republican Party again. Can I ask you now, does that include you, Maggie? Um, no, 
no, I'm certainly going to carry on voting Republican because I'm not about to vote third party or vote for a Democrat anytime soon. No Green Party? Uh, Come on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those guys. What a great use of your vote. You know, but for all the Democrats out there, please carry on voting for the Green Party. It's really going to help. So just keep doing that. But no, um, you know, it's funny. It's sort of my argument and a lot of what I've been trying to get people to understand is that what we have in Washington, D.C. really isn't a true second party. We don't really have a second party with like, you know, Republican Democrat option. What you really have is a uni party. And you've got these people who have been in office for 30, 40 years and they all work together. And you see people like Mitch McConnell, who's supposed to be the leader of the Republican Party, right? When under Trump, he was. And so you've got this guy who's the leader, but yet he's out there going to church with Joe Biden and saying like, oh yeah, we need to get together and, and work on things. Um, so you just kind of look at this, it's all very swampy, it's all very disturbing. And I think at the local level, you still have wonderful people who are still true, you know, Republican conservatives. But at the national level, you've just got so many swamp creatures. And don't get me wrong, there are great <laughs> people within the Republican Party yeah, too. Yeah, I want but, to ask, who do you like? Um, I love Marjorie Taylor Greene. I think she's awesome. I, if anyone, I feel like she's kind of the future of the party. You've got great people like Matt Gates, Lauren Boebert, you got the Jim Jordans out there. But there are so many swamp creatures and even people that, you know, I fell for that I was like, oh, they're they're doing great stuff. You know, people like Lindsey Graham, who is, you know, at the end of the day, he's swamp as well. So it's really Sadly. shameful. It's it is. It's really sad. And, you know, when Trump came out initially and said that he was going to create a new party, I felt like, yes, boom, this is the revolution that we need. President Trump is an amazing builder. He can build he built a movement. He's built, uh, you know, these incredible you know, complexes and buildings and skyscrapers. And for him, I feel like he's actually could build something incredible, whereas normally you can't really get a third party off the ground, although I don't even like the term third party. I try to think of it like a new party, an alternative to the uni party in D.C. And if he did something like this, I think he would get, I would think millions of people from the MAGA movement would come over. I think we'd pick up some independence. I think we'd pick up, pick up some, you know, populist Bernie bros. Uh, and certainly all the great people within the Republican Party, I think, would go over to that new party. But instead, I think that was also what I was kind of bummed out about with, you know, President Trump's speech at CPAC is we see him instead come out and say, like, hey, I feel like we should all just get behind the Republicans and I'm just going to campaign for them and we're going to primary out the few bad people. It's not just a few rhinos who are awful. It's like it's all the people that certified a fraudulent election, in my opinion. And that was a lot of people. So, yeah. That's kind of, uh, that's my beef with the GOP. <laughs> and I mean, I'm still going to vote GOP. And I also have to clarify for people, um, I'm active in my local Republican Party. Um, and I think that other people need to be as well. You need to become a precinct committee man or woman, and you need to serve locally. You need to ensure and that you are responsible for the nomination of really MAGA conservative candidates and not just establishment and not just rhinos. So I feel like the more great people that are in this sort of patriot populist uprising in America, we need to be involved at the grassroots level because that's the only way we're going to ensure that we are, you know, electing great candidates and not just carrying on with the with the establishment forever. I think the the easiest 
times to tell when it's a uniparty, as you say, which, by the way, completely feels like that up here as well. Um, there hasn't been any talk about the lockdowns from the Conservatives, nothing about civil rights, nothing about censorship, like I mentioned. But the best way to see in the United States politics of who is who is when we start talking about wars and uh, Lindsey Graham. Unfortunately, all the time I like what he says, but when it comes to dropping bombs, he's certainly on, on that side, the, the perpetual war side. Now, well, my last question to you, Midge, is tell the people what's going on, what's coming up in the future for you, where they should find you right now. Well, I would say to your audience, please make sure you're following me on YouTube and also go follow me on Rumble as well. It's so hard to build up a following on Rumble. I think it's just so new and you don't have that massive eyeballs that we have and that we can rely upon on a larger platform. So if any of these platforms are going to take off, we're going to need people to make sure that they're going out and they're following on these alternative platforms. I'm on Gab and Parlor too, at Fog City Midge. So you can find me everywhere. And also continue following me on all the regular places as well. But, you know, I'm just doing my best right now to try to stay afloat and continue to bring people the truth and try to cover these stories that no one's really covering, like what's happening at our border, what's happening in Washington, D.C. with the military occupation, and what's happening within the MAGA movement itself and trying to make sure that you know, the Republican leadership is actually listening to people and not just assuming that they're going to get our vote no matter what. They actually have to represent us and making sure that people stay honest about that. Well, it's always good to talk to you, Midge. I support you. I'm glad we, you got, we got to have this conversation. I think the videos you do are very important. I love the clips. I think it's a very good way to absorb a lot of the stuff that happens and the way you present them is really good too. Last words, anything you want? Um, no, just follow me. Oh, and if they liked any of the clips that you played, those full videos are great. So I, I recommend people go look them up because yeah, the full board, the, excuse me, the full video from the Capitol and also the longer interview with Steve Bannon were both excellent videos. Um, so yeah, just check them out. They're on uh, all my social media and my YouTube and Rumble. Yeah, I think some people might get a little bit of a different opinion of Steve Bannon uh, when they watch some of this stuff. So again, thank yeah. you and I'll talk to you soon, okay? Thank you so much for having me.